Hello, and welcome to the Chef Dogs Classroom Podcast with Thomas Shepard. If you are enjoying this program, please consider subscribing to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. This is episode four, an interview with historian Mariah Cooper. In this episode, I talked to historian Mariah Cooper from the History Department at Memorial University. We discussed the study of history, how to become a historian, and the Middle Ages, which is her area of study. In honor of our guest, I have chosen a history joke for the joke of the week. Stay tuned to the end to hear the joke because you won't want to get past it. There is no tech talk segment in this episode, but it will return next time along with a puzzling challenge for my students. As always, you can check out the show notes for more information. Mariah Cooper is a third-year PhD candidate at Memorial University's history program. Her research focus is on women who that are portrayed in medieval romance compared to the lived experience of women in legal documents. She has presented her research at five conferences, both nationally and internationally, and was the course instructor for a second-year undergraduate medieval history class at Memorial University. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So it's really interesting to talk to somebody who's doing a PhD in history. And I'm just wondering, uh, can you explain for my students what a historian is and what they do? Sure. So quite simply, a historian is really anyone who studies the past. Uh, It involves making interpretations of the past and making informed judgments about the past. Uh, We typically look at artifacts or sources of the past and we study them. We try and make sense of them. And I'm sure as your students know, this probably involves a lot of reading and a lot of writing, but most (laughs) their favorite thing, I'm sure. But most importantly, it's a lot of critical thinking. It's investigative work in a sense. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an opportunity for a historian is wide open. You can be a historian of many different topics. So some historians specialize in certain periods, such as uh, medieval history, and other historians can focus on certain geographic areas. You can be a historian of Canada or of Newfoundland, or there's uh, themes. So we know some historians are economic historians or political historians. And of course, all of these can kind of cross over. So we have specialists um, that study, let's say, Newfoundland history during the Great Depression really interesting point that you can really highly specialize when you're you're a historian. So how did you get interested in history and what kind of inspired you? I have to say it was traveling. My my first trip over to Europe was really eye-opening and I was just curious, you know, why was Europe the way it was? And um, I started watching movies and films and it was just a, a general curiosity about why the why things today are the way they are. And that's really what inspired me to start looking backwards into the past. But how does a person really get to be a historian? I think 
There is a lot of ways someone can become a historian. I mean, if you wanted to just be a historian from general interest, really anyone who has an interest in the past and listens to podcasts and uh, studies the past in any way could be a historian. But to be a professional historian, you really do have to learn the tools, learn the theory. And that's done through schooling and through education. So you've talked about how you got interested in becoming a historian. Whereabouts did you, you know, how did you come about get into your area, which is medieval history? <laughs> um, well, I had a really fantastic uh, professor when I was an undergraduate student. And I have to say she was um, at Trent University, uh, Fiona, Fiona Harris-Stortz. She really was just so great that I ended up wanting to take her classes. And as silly as it sounds, movies, Hollywood, uh, watching some blockbuster hits really made me interested in the nights and the jousting and the feasts. Hollywood has their interpretation of medieval history. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we've talked before and you mentioned how that can differ from the actual studies. Yes, absolutely. Um, studying history through Hollywood is fascinating in and of itself. Um, and I don't want to say it's all fake, but uh, there is some, some skepticism, definitely. But it's a great way to introduce students to the past. So what kind of sources do you use in your research to kind of find out what is actually accurate? So historians use a combination of both secondary and primary sources. And really, um, primary sources are anything from the past that we're studying. And they can, and they're most often interpreted as written sources, books and journals, letters and wills. But really, a primary source can be anything. It can be a painting. Uh, it can be a, a sculpture or a building. And in my own research, I've looked at coins as primary sources. Those are the most important things for historians, the primary sources. But we also check what are called secondary sources. And it's what other historians and other researchers have said about those primary sources. So for my students, talk a little bit about what the Middle Ages are. Right. So the Middle Ages is uh, a really interesting period where you get this idea of barbarianism and savagery, but also kingdoms and dynasties. It's a time period of roughly in between the fall of Rome, so about the 5th century, to the Renaissance or early modern period, so the 15th century. Because we're uh, bookended by these two great periods in time, the Roman Empire and the Renaissance, it's that thousand years from the 5th to 15th century has been called the middle period. It's in between these other two great periods in time. Um, so because of that, uh, it's kind of seen as uh, the dark period as opposed to the Enlightenment. But uh, there's a lot of um, contention I hold with that. <laughs> so, you know, we often say that, uh, and I explain to my students that we can learn a lot from history and particularly what went on in the past to explain what our world looked like today. When you come to going back that far in history, particularly to the Middle Ages, are there any particular uh, events or anything that you've learned about that is still relevant to today's world? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, all of the study of the Middle Ages is entirely relevant to today's world. We just have to bother to investigate it and research it. But specifically right now with the coronavirus and the global pandemic that we're in, it really, for me as a medievalist, makes me think of the Black Death. 
the bubonic plague and how we're in a period of such uh, unknown and fear and uh, self-isolation. And we're seeing a lot of those words and uh, concepts brought up that I studied when talking about the plague, which was in the 1340s. <laughs> Plagues in the past, they've occurred over several times over the, the, the history of mankind, I would, uh, I would imagine. So what we're experiencing now is not much different from what we've had in the past. It just might be a little bit different with the way age of technology nowadays, which brings up an interesting point. How has technology influenced uh, you as an historian? Technology is both a blessing and a curse, uh, <laughs> which, again, I think your students would very much agree to. So there is obvious benefits to technology. We are getting more manuscripts and artifacts digitized so we can access them online. And because of that, we're just allowed to access so much more because we don't have to now book a plane ticket and travel to a library in England to go see these. We can do it in the comfort of our living room through the internet. And with that, we're seeing that there's more users. Instead of just the, uh, the old professors going to these documents and looking at them, now I can do it and your students can do it. And because of that, we're getting really neat research. The more people looking at things, the more perspectives. So that is all terrific. However, <laughs> there is something to be said about looking at an object and holding it in your hands, holding that book or that that piece of a hair comb that a woman in the 1200s used to comb her hair. There's something that's entirely lost when you're looking at just a scan of a picture online. And there's an appreciation for the material object, its physical being that is not accessible through electronic resources. Do you find those physical objects that give you some relevance about what was going on in that particular uh, time that like put you in that perspective? Absolutely. When you look at a book, you can read it just for what the text says, but you can also look at how the book is made, what the covers look like, how it's bound. And that all gives you hints into its dating, where it was made and how it was used. And again, if you're just looking at a picture of it online, you don't see that. That's a really interesting point because we often have uh, problems with looking at history with a 21st century perspective because we really sometimes can't relate to what's going on. So actually looking at what people's lives were like at that time, I would imagine, gives you a lot more insight into their own living and, and perspective. Absolutely. And I, I myself have been caught off guard when I go and look at these digital manuscripts. And I have an idea of what they must look like. And then I have the pleasure of going to Europe and seeing them. And my goodness, some of these books are as big as me. And then some of them are as tiny as as tiny as your thumbnail. It's it, the size of them varies. It's really a fantastic experience to be able to go and see them and learn from the physical. Well, that's really interesting. Now I gotta ask you a really tough question. And, and this one's, I hate to do this to you <laughs> because the middle ages is such a broad subject. How would you explain where like the a characterization of the middle ages, what are the most commonly perceived things or fun, the things that we know that are accurate? Like we talked about the, the bubonic plague, for example, and we talked about, you know, the difference of what they live with. And I think one of the things that came up is that, you know, the idea of cleanliness wasn't really a big thing in the middle ages. And you're off, I guess it's compared to like the like a dark ages and these kind of things, like a, a misnomer. Can you like give yes. us a characterization <laughs> of what the middle ages are? Like if you're going to study history, what you would encounter as the broad themes of the Middle Ages? Yes, absolutely. So you're, of course, going to encounter dirt and rats and smells, and it's going to be uh, just 
oh, there's going to be warfare and all of that, but you're also going to encounter technological innovation, amazing building achievements, uh, beautiful art and architecture, uh, women's dress. It's a time of both beauty and and dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think in the Middle Ages, like who are your major players throughout the Middle Ages, would you could say? I would imagine that the church plays a major role in society. Yes. So you have um, you have your, your kingdoms who are ruled by your kings and your queens, but you also have the pope who is uh, always a stickler to, to the royals, making sure that they don't cross any boundaries. Those are, of course, the, the major players, but there's a lot of hidden players that I, I like to study more who don't get all the glory. There's so much that we could talk about because there's so many fascinating areas of the Middle Ages that would be you know great to talk about because it's, it's so much going on. And I find it's a period of our history that a lot of us don't know a lot about. And we learn, like you said before, between the movies and television that we learn that way. But we don't know a lot about what went on in the Middle Ages because I don't think it's a, an area of study that we cover in, in school a lot. So I want to thank you. And I, maybe we'll get a chance to bring you back and, and have a discussion on specific topics in the Middle yes, Ages. That absolutely. might be interesting. But I want to thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast today. And I, I really do appreciate you coming in and, and spending some time with us. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to chatting with you again. Great. Thanks for doing this. And here is our joke of the week. Question. Who made King Arthur's round table? Answer. Sir Conference. It is related to the Middle Ages, so it was a really good pick for a joke. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. You have been listening to Shep Dog's Classroom Podcast. If you are enjoying this program, please consider subscribing to the podcast in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or from wherever you download your podcast. The theme music used in this podcast was created by Robbie Lee. Thank you for listening.